Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Ask our brother Don Pelletier to come up this morning with our scripture reading of the day. Brother Don Pelletier. My note says I'm to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Is that correct? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. When he said read the whole chapter, I thought it was in for it, but it only has 10 verses. First Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church. I'm reading in the New King James, by the way, just for reference. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you in peace from God our Father. The Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brother, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians chapter number one. Our speaker today is familiar to us. He and his wife, Lois, have been commended to the work in Liberia. How many years have you guys been down or over there? Uh, we were committed in 2016. All right. Now you're making us do math, but that's uh, four years ago. I taught math for 11 years, so I can commence to cipher. Um, and uh, they're presently back here after a wonderful battle with COVID uh, after they evacuated. And uh, ever, uh, th this answers question, can you taste anything? Yes, now I can. You know, you sent us, sent my family into fear because when the, the ones of the family that lost it, they were fearing because you were weeks, right? It wasn't like rather quick that it came back. Yeah, that's uh, very, praise God, both healed, both back. Are you both 100%? Okay, praise God. Um, so we're looking forward to him sharing what the Lord has laid on his heart. Our brother Lucas Richard will turn the remainder of our meeting this morning over to you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Uh, right here. All right. Well, it, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, I, you know, I really have to say that, uh, and my wife said this last night while we were visiting with the Millers, that 
there's not much really to, to update you guys on because Claremont seems to keep up with us quite closely. You're stalking us to a certain age. <laughs> you seem to know more about me than I know about myself. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, it, it really attests to your, your focus uh, on the Great Commission and, and the work of the gospel around the world. We, we want to thank you for your support, your fellowship in the work. Um, you guys have been faithful in that. And, and I hope that uh, through our, our updates, uh, our meeting on Zoom, through the prayer letters that we send out, the pictures that we send, that, that you know that the resources which you invest in the Lord's work in Liberia are indeed being put to that use. Um, and I can tell you that God is accomplishing an incredible work in Liberia. Uh, in our village, uh, you know, I, I was telling Miss Jane last night, I showed her a picture of the, the daughter of the imam from the local mosque is in fellowship in our local church. She's been ostracized by her family. Uh, she, she, as a believer, married one of our teachers at Grace Christian Academy. They had a baby, and we dedicated that baby uh, uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, the imam still has not uh, acknowledged his, his grandson. And, and through those things, and that's just one example of how the gospel is progressing and going forth. And, and as the gospel progresses in, in our village, one of the, the prayers and, and one of the things that we would like to see is what the Apostle Paul saw in the, 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 the church he planted in Thessalonica, um, and, and which we'll read about this morning. And sorry, can I get my water, please? Um, the Apostle Paul uh, visited Thessalonica and, and uh, through, through the, uh, the country into turmoil. Um, as we can read back in Acts, and then we can go back to Acts chapter 17 and, and see that when the Apostle Paul began to preach in the synagogues in Thessalonica, um, he was welcomed with a big smile and everybody loved him and, and uh, he was elevated to a great status. And, and is that what happened? No, in fact, those who got saved, interestingly enough, were, were women of prominence uh, in, in Thessalonican society. It was more so the Gentiles who were responding. Some Jews did indeed accept the Messiah, this Jesus whom he preached. But for the most part, the Jews rejected Christ. And as was, was the Apostle Paul's custom, he would move from, from the, the, the synagogue into uh, uh, the streets and, and preaching the gospel from the Jews to the Gentiles. And the Jews didn't like this. And so they began to cause trouble. They stirred up unrest in, in the city. And, and we have to remember that Thessalonica, though it was under Roman rule, uh, had a loose kind of, uh, um, I don't, alliance is not the word I'm looking for. They had a a loose agreement with the Roman authorities that they could be semi-autonomous so long as they didn't pose a threat to their Roman overlords, uh, so long as they were loyal and faithful to their taxes and faithful to the emperor, etc., things could, the status quo could remain. And now the gospel comes, and the Jews begin to, to bring accusations against Christians that not only are they preaching Messiah, King, uh, uh, one who is to come, but that, but that indeed they're preaching a, a, um, a rival to Caesar. And that, that's treason. And so the Jews are accusing the Christians 
of, of spreading a, a treasonous message and, and, and encouraging people to rebel against Rome and against Thessalonica. And as you can imagine, if you were on the, 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 the town council or, or uh, uh, if you were in leadership in Thessalonica and you're worried about Rome and what they're thinking, that the first thought in your mind is, is how can we settle this, this issue between the Jews and the Christians? And to their uh, uh, defense, they tried, but the Jews wouldn't have it. And so as, as things began to stir and get worse and worse and turmoil, the Apostle Paul himself had to be evacuated from the city. Jason, who hosted him, uh, uh, was held, uh, uh, was actually imprisoned for it, uh, let out on bond. And Christians went from new believers, newly introduced to the gospel, born again, saved. Uh, I imagine in the early days having some some freedom and 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 uh, freedom to meet and 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 worship to being heavily persecuted. But persecution always has, uh, throughout history, we can observe a, a good effect on the church. Persecution tends to, as Brother Lanny said this morning, kind of purge the church a little bit. And and in the case of the believers in Thessalonica. It, it, it caused them to lean on the one thing which they had, and that was Christ. And as we're going to read, and as we'll see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul commended these saints for three things in particular, which I think we're going to recognize as we read. Things which the Apostle Paul did commend other assemblies for, but Thessalonica stood out. So much so that the testimony of these believers had spread not just throughout Thessalonica, uh, uh, but to Macedonia, Achaia, and to everywhere where people heard about this church, about these believers. And I don't know about you, but when I read the commendation from the, the Apostle Paul by way of the Holy Spirit, I, 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 I question myself that were the Apostle Paul talking about me, or were others thinking about me, would, would the testimony that I've presented lead them to the same conclusion the Apostle Paul comes to here? It's a question which I posed to our, our church, our, our local assembly in, in Ta in, in Liberia before we left. I actually began teaching in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 uh, the last Sunday that we were with the, the, the saints there. And in, in a little bit, I'll tell you why I believe that the Lord had me do that. And, and part of it was, is because it, it brings us back to an eternal perspective on God's plan. And it leads us to an enduring hope that, that relies entirely on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if you will, um, I teach... In, in Liberia from the Christian Standard Bible, and I hope that doesn't make me a heretic here. Um, there's a reason for it. Our, our, the reading level uh, among the believers there, the, 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 the rate of literacy is quite low. Um, the, if you were to kind of score them, um, principle, uh, uh, I, I, I think from what we gather that their reading level is somewhere around a fourth grade. Christian Standard, Standard Bible's reading level is at a fifth grade. Uh, point. So they tend to understand it a little bit better. 
than, uh, than if I were teaching them from the King James. So if you will bear with me. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul greets them, uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, uh, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Sorry, I'm in the New King James. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this reminds us of 1 Corinthians 13, 13. For these three abide, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. For the believers in Thessalonica, the, the work that produced, or, or, or work of faith, uh, the work which produced faith, was, was a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, that caused them, as we saw, uh, I believe in verse 9, to, to turn from idols to serve the living and true God. That faith caused or, or produced genuine repentance. And I want to say that again. Faith in Christ produces true repentance. Their faith produced by, inspired by, works. And he mentions their, their labor, their labor motivated by love. Their labor motivated by love. They perform labor promoted by love for Christ. This, this, this love which they had, the love which we are commanded to have, that love that, that loves thy neighbor as thyself, but also loves the Lord thy God, ultimately produces a work, doesn't it? Agape love is not a love that is in, in word only, and, and I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. This, is, by the way, is one of the things that I, I dislike about preaching at assemblies is that uh, uh, you people know too much. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes I'm just telling you something you already know. But uh, uh, we all need to be reminded. Agape love is a love that is demonstrated. It's a love that, that is not simply spoken. In fact, it's a love that can be expressed without words. It's a love perfectly demonstrated in Christ. That God demonstrates His own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't have to tell us that He loves us. He demonstrated it. And so the question now becomes is, is when, when we as believers demonstrate that fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, what does it produce? What, what flows out of that love? For the saints in Thessalonica, it was labor. It was work. 
What was that labor? Well, well, you could you could argue that that labor was uh, the preaching of the gospel. It was uh, uh, the continuing to gather together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even under intense persecution. That love for the Lord enabled them to continue. And furthermore, that hope, or that endurance rather, inspired or produced by, or as a result of, hope. What hope? You know, we're in our country right now, we're going through... Uh, um, a serious test, uh, something that our nation has never really endured. I guess maybe the Spanish flu could be likened to it, but but in today's world, it's a different dynamic, and and we're uh, we're divided, intensely divided in our nation, and and people are beginning to to get scared. Four hundred one ks are are not looking too good. Uh, jobs are lost. Uh, Fifty million jobless claims. That's that's unfathomable. Everything which, which produces security for us is, is undermined right now. And, and as Americans, it's, it's very easy to be scared. It's very easy to lose sight of an eternal perspective that the Thessalonian believers had. But for them, their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ Produced, inspired, it, it motivated, it, it, well, let's just say produced endurance, perseverance. These believers were under intense persecution, but yet they never ceased to be faithful in the ministry to which God had called them. Why? Because they knew, as they had turned from idols to serve the living and true God, that they were serving, their faith was in Jesus who, is, who will rescue us, who saves us from the wrath that is to come. They knew, as the Apostle Paul will, will continue in, in, in uh, uh, chapter 4 and 5, they knew that the Lord was returning. They knew that even if they were to die, or as the Apostle Paul would say, to fall asleep, that they would be resurrected into a new life and be, would be caught up together with the Lord and would forever be with Him. And so for the believers in Thessalonica, it was not about, oh, gee, I hope our, our, our autonomy from Rome stays, you know, status quo. Oh, I hope our economy is, uh, 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 you know, okay. I, I, I hope the Romans don't march on us and squash us what they perceive as a rebellion, I, I hope that my job is still secure for them. It was all about the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. That hope inspired endurance. That hope inspired them to persevere through even the most intense persecution. And what's interesting to me is that the object of all three of these, faith, hope, and love, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just the, the eschatological implications of it, not just 
uh, uh, what they were being told, but, but that, that Christ himself will return. Christ himself will fulfill his promise and receive us to himself. Christ himself will bring wrath and judgment and destruction and redemption. Knowing that, they can endure. They could persevere. They could labor in love. Because the object of their faith, their hope, and of their love was the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read here in a moment about that, that judgment, the wrath that is to come, the wrath that you and I, if we are born again, have been rescued from, have been delivered from, as is, uh, I believe the New King James says. But I don't want us to lose sight of these three things. Faith, hope, and love. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.8 uh, um, exhorts the, the believers. He says, but since we belong to the day, that we're, no, we're not children of the night, but children of the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. The armor of faith and love, the helmet of the hope of what? Salvation. This is another thing that bothers me about, uh, or not bothers me, that's a, that's a strong word, that's different uh, for me. In, in, in Liberia, uh, uh, everything is call and response. Uh, so when we're teaching, I, uh, I would say, uh, uh, armor of what? And you would respond, faith and love. Uh, I would say, the, the helmet of what? And you would say, the hope of salvation. Uh, it's interactive, but we, we tend not to do that in America. <laughs> not a criticism at all. But brothers and sisters, let us not be consumed with the discouragement that's around us, that surrounds us every single day day. And if you're like me and you make the mistake of listening to the news every day, then, then you're going to need an extra thick piece of armor and a, and a really, really good helmet. Of salvation. <laughs> <laughs> right, of salvation. <laughs> the point is, let's not lose the perspective. Let's not lose our perspective. It's not about America. It's not about the world economy. It's about the eternal plan and purpose of God. You know, God made a decision thousands of years ago. If, if, if you're like me and you believe in a young earth, if you believe in the old earth, I'm sorry for you. But uh, <laughs> in the Garden of Eden, when, when man fell, God made a decision. Remember, there wasn't just one tree in the Garden of Eden. There was also the tree of life. And, and if you were to eat of the tree of life, you would live forever. Man disobeyed God and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God in His mercy and His love and His grace and, and, and in his, his foreknowledge banned 
and, and, and expelled man from the Garden of Eden. Why? So that they might not eat from the tree of life and live forever. Now, in today's world, we're all about life and preserving life and, and so on. So that doesn't quite make sense. If God could have allowed us to live forever and, and maybe not die, why would he not have done so? Because God did not want man to live forever in the sinful, corrupted state that we are in. God chose rather to allow thousands of years of suffering, of death, disease, of destruction, and through it to accomplish an eternal plan that would lead to the cross, that would, would accomplish redemption and the forgiveness of sin, and that ultimately would lead to the destruction of this earth to the formation of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Where you and I, who have been redeemed and saved by the blood of the Lamb, who are born again, will dwell for eternity, free from sin, in a body that is glorified, a body that is, is free from the corruption of sin, a body that, that knows no cancer, that knows no disease, that knows no COVID on an earth which is no longer in turmoil and violence and a state of decay and destruction, where there's no need for the sun because God Himself will be the light and we will dwell in His presence. And so given the choice to, uh, uh, in, in, in our state of mind and thinking, to, to want our country to live on for another millennia or two or three or four or, or forever, or for God to allow His plan to, to unfold that would lead to the, the ultimate millennial kingdom and, and then the, the destruction of Satan and, and the destruction of this world and the formation of the new heaven and new earth, what do we choose? What do we want? I know for me, if I were to say honestly, I, I want America to continue in this wonderful, glorious country that it is and has been. But I know, if I were to correct my perspective, I know that in the eternal plan of God, at some point, America has to fall or, or, or shrink to a, a position of, of insignificance. That an antichrist will rise up, that, that the world will be deceived, that ultimately you and I will be raptured and judgment will be poured out, wrath will be poured out onto this earth. And that will lead to the promised second coming of our Messiah King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will establish His kingdom, who will rule with a rod of iron. And so, I, I digress. But let us not lose perspective. The saints in Thessalonica could hold on to nothing else or nothing less than the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith, hope, and love. You know, this, this, uh, this, this thing of, of uh, faith and love is, is quite interesting. If you look at the Apostle Paul's epistles, um, that tends to be the, 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 the point that excites him, that, that, that 
fills him with joy and causes him to, to excuse me, pray without ceasing. Uh, we see that, excuse me, okay, uh, we see that in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Um, as he greets the, the saints in Ephesus, he says, uh, For this reason, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. When he heard a report, just as he heard from Timothy of this report from the saints in Ephesus, as he heard a re- uh, um, the saints in Thessalonica, as he heard this report from Ephesus, what were the two things which caused him to give thanks without ceasing and to pray without ceasing? Here it was your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And you can say that that faith in the Lord Jesus leads or produces hope. Again, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says uh, to the, the saints there, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. What two things caused him to give thanks? Love and faith. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he says, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. What two things caused him to give thanks? Love and faith. When the Apostle Paul writes to the saints in Thessalonica again in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightfully so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. And oh, may that be true of us. That were the Apostle Paul to write to the saints at, in, at, in Ta, in Liberia, in, at, at Claremont Bible Fellowship in Florida, that he would say, we ought always to thank God for you, brethren. And rightfully so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. You know, Jesus said in John 13, 30, we'll go to 33, Uh, Through 35, I believe, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. For by this the world will know that you are my disciples, because you love one another. How does the world know that we are his disciples? By our love. And specifically by our love for one another. By implication, our love for the world. Not, Not... not in a worldly sense, but, but for those who are lost. You know, Lois set up some pictures here, and, and uh, um, these are some newer pictures. I, I, I wrestled with, should, should we give an update and show you a PowerPoint this morning or, or a message from the Word? And, and I believe the Lord led, led here. But we have seen our assembly grow in Ta. Not because we've done more evangelism. Uh, we've done evangelism from the beginning. Uh, uh, we haven't necessarily changed our approach to it or, or added some, some good African music that would you know, bring them in. Or, uh, um, 
But through our medical ministry, through the school, Grace Christian Academy, things which, by the way, I did not want to do. Uh, when, when the Lord called us to Liberia, I had been in a ministry that was heavily involved with humanitarian aid work, and, and I, I saw how it's very tempting and, and easy to fall into the trap of becoming so focused on humanitarian work that we forget the spiritual side of it, and, and the teaching of the Word of God can wane. And so with that conviction, I had said, I don't want to have a school I, I, I just don't want to get caught up in those trappings. Well, we met with the elders and the chiefs of the village, and uh, they said we would welcome you here, but we want you to help with education. And, and in Africa, um, uh, white people are associated with medicine. We brought medicine there. And people would come to me saying, you know, I'm, I'm hurting here, or, or uh, you know, I, I remember the first kid who was brought to me, he, they were, mom was boiling a pot of water on a wood fire and he was playing around and, and hit the pot and boiling water fell on his leg and burned all over here. And, and, and the clinic, government clinic, which had at the time one real nurse and no medicine, was closed. And well, what do you do next? Well, there's a white man in the village, bring them there. They know something about medicine. <laughs> And we treated that little boy. And today, when you look at his leg, you can tell it was scarred, but, but he, he's doing great. It didn't get in effect. And, and, and in our school, at Grace Christian Academy, every day, kids were getting sick with malaria. And, and I would have kids that would come with a temperature as high as 107 degrees. If you don't believe me, ask my mom. She came to Liberia on a medical mission. And, and of course, we're not just going to let that happen. So we, we would test and treat for malaria. And, and over the years, that's evolved into a, a medical ministry that, that now TIM is providing medicine to the clinic every month. So whatever is not there, they give us a list. We provide that. Um, people come uh, uh, for medicine. The, the, we, we have the responsibility of caring for the kids in our school, um, especially preventing and treating malaria. And it was through that that we have seen the most growth in the local church. Why? Love. We didn't really change the music. We didn't change the message for sure. We just got more involved with the community and doing what was needed to be done and demonstrating the love of Christ. And you know, the commissioner who was a Muslim who is now born again, and praise the Lord for that. Um, his name is Amos, the Honorable Amos. The commissioner made a statement about missions and missionaries to his people. He said, they brought us medicine. They brought us education. First time we ever saw an airplane was, was, was with them. And these were his exact words. And they never asked for anything in return. A Muslim said this to Muslims. And then he told his people to stand up and thank Allah for sending these Christian missionaries. <laughs> Today, Honorable Amos is no longer commissioner, but he is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I praise the Lord for that. And so, brothers and sisters, love for one another and love for the least of these. God will use that for the progress of the gospel in incredible ways, even under persecution. 
for the saints in Thessalonica, uh, uh, this, this persecution, uh, this severe persecution, as it says here, welcomed an opportunity for them to show and demonstrate those three things which the Apostle Paul commended them for. It enabled them, by the grace of God, to demonstrate their work of faith, their labor motivated by love, their endurance and perseverance inspired by their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as, they, as, as this testimony from these believers built, it began to spread and, and to branch out. So much so that people from Macedonia and all Achaia and, and this, this large area began to hear about the testimony of these believers. And, and it not, not just that they hear it and they say, oh, that's great, but that it actually inspired believers in other areas. The testimony of those saints who, as, as it says here, became imitators of the Apostle Paul and, uh, uh, and uh, um, Silvanus and Timothy, who had been there as missionaries, um, but also of the Lord. In verse 6, they be, And you yourselves became imitators of us and the Lord, when in spite of persecution, severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. And as they welcomed that message, and put their faith in Christ, and were born again, and lived out a testimony for Christ. Verse 7, As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything. I pose the question to our, our church in, in Ta, and I will pose the question here. By no means a, a, a form of judgment or, or an observation at all about this assembly, but were the Apostle Paul writing to us? Would the same be said of us? Would the same be true? that your example of having been born again, accepting the, the gospel with, with joy in the Holy Spirit and producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control of love, uh, of faith, hope, and love, is that message, is that testimony spreading out throughout all of Florida, into Georgia, spilling over into Alabama, What testimony would the Apostle Paul commend us for? Would he say to us, therefore, we have nothing else to say? It certainly wasn't the case with, with the, 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 the assembly in Corinth, was it? He didn't say, uh, we don't have anything to say about you guys here. He, he rebuked them quite heavily. But to a severely persecuted assembly in Thessalonica, he says, We don't need to say anything. Instead, his exhortation was to continue. Continue on that path. Grow. Be children of the light. Don't forget your hope. 
Don't be discouraged. And then he says, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. These believers, as they turn from idols to serve the living and true God, they put their faith, they put their hope entirely in this promise. So much so that they were waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just mentally assenting to it or verbally assenting to it, but rather joyfully expecting his return. And I'll finish with this. The wrath that the, that the Apostle Paul refers to is a great wrath. The Apostle Peter addresses it in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, um, in verse 7. He says, by, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, waiting for it, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. In verse 10 of 2 Peter 3, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. And since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what manner of people you ought to be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. As you what? Wait. As you wait for the day of God, joyfully expecting it, persevering through all of, uh, through, through persecution, through the, the, the calamity, through all of it, with hope that Christ is returning. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat but based on His promise, based on His promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Is that what we're waiting for? Is that what we're hoping in? Or, like so many in our country today, are we fighting so hard for America that, that we forget about the promise of God? of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What interested those believers in Thessalonica was the person of the Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God. He was the object of their hope. He was the focus of their attention. And may Jesus Himself, rather than anything that accompanies Him or characterizes His return, always Fill us with that same hope which these believers had 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that, that we have such a promise, such a hope, 
that according to your promise, the, the earth and everything that is in it will be destroyed and will be burned and melted with fervent heat. But based on your promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We thank you, Lord, that you rescue us, that you save us from the wrath that is coming and from eternal wrath, which we rightfully deserve. Oh, Father, righteous Father, thank you that in your mercy and in your love, you redeemed us through the blood of your Son. That you did not allow man to live for eternity in his state of sin and corruption, but rather you allowed us to die with a plan. That in the fullness of time, you would send forth your Son, born of a virgin. That he would take human flesh, that he would become a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that those of us who have put our faith in Christ have a joyful expectation of eternity with you. That we do not wonder whether or not your wrath is stored up for us. But we know you did not come into the world to condemn us, but that through you we might be saved. Lord, I thank you for the precious promises that we have in Christ. And I pray, Lord, I pray that the very virtues which caused the Apostle Paul to, to give ceaseless thanks for the saints in Thessalonica and in Ephesus and in Colossia and uh, in other places, I pray, Lord, that that love, that love for one another and for our Lord Jesus Christ would be evident in us, through us, to all around us. I pray that our faith, that same faith which they had, would be clearly shown in our works. Lord, I pray that, that the commendation which we would receive, just as the saints in Thessalonica, would be one that would say, we have nothing to say. For your testimony speaks for itself. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us through these difficult times in our country. I, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us daily of the, the eternal perspective that you have. And help us, Lord, to trust you through this time. That you know what is happening. That nothing has caught you by surprise. And you have a plan. A plan which you will accomplish. That nothing will stop. A plan that leads to the ultimate destruction of the ungodly. The redemption of your saints of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Lord, remind us of this promise. Help us to have hope when everything around us would, would, would go against hope. And so, Lord, we commend ourselves into your hands. We thank you, Father, for this meeting. We thank you that we have the privilege to gather together as saints, uh, that we are not severely persecuted as, as were the saints in Thessalonica. But, Lord, if if there is a time coming for us that we will be persecuted, Lord, prepare us that we might have the same testimony that these believers had. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.